Hey, good morning, everyone. It's Pastor Rob. It's great to see you today. In the time that Heather and I have been married, we have lived, our little family, we've moved around to four different states. Uh, we've lived in Ohio, which is where we are now, and this is our second time together in Ohio. But we've lived in Ohio, Indiana, Minnesota, and Arkansas. Not in that order. And one of the things that I've, I've noted about living in those different areas is that because the weather is different, you have to adapt. I know, I know you're going to find that to be utterly shocking, but it's true because sometimes you need to be in a situation before you really learn what it means to adapt to it. Now, Ohio and Indiana have very similar weather systems, right? Chances are something that hits in Indiana within a few hours or a day is going to come across somewhere in Ohio. That's just kind of the way the jet stream goes. Not always, but generally so. Weather patterns, on the other hand, the differences between Minnesota and Arkansas, pretty significant, right? Minnesota, you're going to get snow maybe late October, and it may hang out till April, um, usually somewhere in between that, a good four or five months of, of snowy weather. In Arkansas, you may get snowed on a couple of times a year, and all they really do is wait for it to melt because the next day it's going to be gone. <laughs> so it's, it's very different. And so you adapt. You learn to live in those different environments. But the weather is, at the end of the day, different in different areas of the country and different parts of the world because of their proximity to the equator, because of the differences in the airstream, because of a myriad of reasons. It's different. One of the things, though, I have noticed that's similar, at least in the areas that I've lived in, is that the disdain for weather casters <laughs> seems to be a constant, kind of this constant frustration point of the weather being predicted by a weather caster, but not being right. Now, some of us say they're never right. Weather, weather forecasters are never right. Some say, well, they're mostly right. They're close to right. But I don't think you can ever argue that they're absolutely right. Even though we seem to act like they should be, right? We kind of go, well, shouldn't they be, right? They have, they have all the tools they need to have to figure this out, don't they? There are, are satellites in the sky that, that the federal government and news organizations and, and, well, us have paid to put in orbit to monitor weather patterns, to see what's going to happen when, how, and why. We've got years and years, decades of, of scientific readings on barometric pressures and, and how different wind speeds and different wind temperatures affect each other and how they interplay and they move and they work. And, and we've got billions of dollars worth of equipment to kind of and computer programs to process all of this information and everything that's seen and put together these crazy detailed computer models for trying to figure out what the weather is going to do. It feels like all we've invested in it, all we've tried to put into it to figure out weather, that maybe we should have figured it out by now. And yet it is still unpredictable. It still remains elusive. It does what it's going to do and it seems to operate beyond any kind of rhyme or reason at times. I think in some ways the weather is a microcosm for life. A life we can often think we've got 
all of our I's dotted and all of our T's crossed. We've got everything figured out and it still doesn't work quite as we would have predicted. I remember one time I had a, a job with a, a restaurant company and I was running a restaurant that was doing well. It was profitable. The people were amazing. I don't take claim to any of it. I inherited most of it. <laughs> but they're amazing people and they were doing a, a great job and we were we were doing everything we needed to do to succeed. Our business was growing. We were making money. Life was good in, in that little corner of the world. But the corporation wasn't doing so great. He was struggling. And so I had a very frank discussion with my boss at the time. I said, hey, how is this going to affect us, right? How is this going to affect us? And they said, well, he said, well, let's look at the numbers. And so we looked at the math. We looked at the math of, of not only my restaurant and how it was doing, but the other restaurants in the system that were also profitable, also doing well, and put them up against the ones that were not. And at the end of the day, it came down to the, the company's finances looking a little shaky, but not untenable, workable, right? And so I said, all right, that's great. Invested myself completely in that role. And by the way, turned down another job at another company during that interim in that time. And only to find out three months later to get a call from the same person who told me everything was kosher and showed me all the numbers and all and said, okay, we're going to close your restaurant tomorrow. Out of the blue out of the blue, I've got to tell 85 people that their world is about to be flipped upside down. And I will tell you bluntly, I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I had all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. And I thought I had it all. I thought I understood it. I thought I had, was, was able to predict what was going to happen. And I was wrong. I think that happens in life often. In fact, even to greater extents, because you know, I was very blessed. I was able to to call the company I had turned down and say, kind of, um, by the way, is that is that job still there? And and they said, Yep, sure is. And so I moved right into a role. Blessed, right? Disrupted my world for a minute. But there are, are things that happen, events that happen in life that seem to come out of the blue that do far more than just disrupt your life for a minute. They can flip it upside down. Maybe it was during this this time of COVID when you, you felt like you kept your six foot distance and you wore your mask and you took all your precautions and you did everything you needed to do and yet you contracted COVID and became very, very, very ill and it sent your life into utter chaos and you're thinking to yourself, how did this happen? I did everything I was supposed to do and it still didn't work out right. And like we raise our hands at the weather caster and go, ooh, why is the weather wrong? We do the same thing with the government or the medical system or whatever, or conspiracy theories. And we say, ooh, I did everything I knew, I knew to do. I had it all worked out. Why didn't this work out? This is not okay. It's not predictable. In fact, it's not only unpredictable, that's just flat chaos. And sometimes life feels like it's there. It's in just flat chaos. Like there is no pattern. There is no rhyme. There is no reason. There is no structure. You can't wrap your head hands, hands around it. You can't figure it out. And you're left lost. And that's all despite the fact that like the weather, where we feel like they've got all the tools to figure it out, 
I think deep down inside, we figure, we kind of think we have all the tools to figure this out, right? That that there is a there is a structure to this, and if I can just if I can just figure out all the variables, if I can just figure out all the moving parts, if I can just see the whole picture, there's a plan here. We want there to believe that there is a plan here, that there's a pattern here, even in the midst of chaos. Enter chaos theory. Chaos theory is a, the study of the idea that even in the midst of something that seems random, that seems like that random occurrence that doesn't fit a pattern at all, that is complex and chaotic and seems to make no sense that at the end of the day, chaos theory asserts that there is a pattern, that there is an underlying pattern, an interconnectedness, a system, something that makes this all make sense, that pulls it all together and makes it make sense. It's the idea that if we just saw the whole picture, if we could see everything that was going on, all the moving parts, all the choices being made, all the possible outcomes, right? If we could just see all the moving parts, we could see the way through. If you're a Marvel fan, that's what Doctor Strange did at the end of the Infinity War, right? And he he went into the future and looked at all these different millions of possibilities and came back with the one that was going to work. Chaos theory would indicate that there is. There is that one plan that's going to work, that one possibility that's going to work. And, and, and I tell you what, humans have always believed that there is this one plan that just must make sense. And we desperately search for this one plan that makes this all make sense. That yes, we can know it all. We can understand it all. We can have our head wrapped around it. And all of what we go through, what we experience in life makes sense. We've been pursuing it for thousands of years, desperately searching for it. There are entire areas of study dedicated to it. Philosophy is one of those things that's its goal is to try to determine what the meaning of life is and why we're here and what we're doing and what our purpose is and what ultimately what that plan is and what the structure is and where does it come from, right? That's what philosophy really is. In some ways, theology is. It's, it's, it's this trying to discern or pursue the greater pattern, the greater system that makes sense of all of it. We're wired kind of to think that. We've dedicated over the years countless writings and, and in more recent decades, movies to trying to figure out why are we here? What is this about? What is the purpose? What is the pattern? What is the plan that makes all of this kind of tie together, all this chaos we're living through? What makes it make sense? It's like we're wired to pursue that. We're wired to try to figure out what that is. And I, I think it feels like that, honestly, because I think it's true. I think there is a pattern. I think there is something that could make this all make sense, even when nothing seems to make sense. Because you know, the minute you think you've got it all figured out, right? 
something happens that throws your entire plot plan, whatever, into a tizzy. That's how life works. But that doesn't stop me from thinking there is a plan, that there is a process, that there is a pattern. What I've come to discern is that the problem isn't a lack of a plan or a pattern. The problem is us. The problem is human beings, you and I, is that we are nearsighted. We are myopic. We only see what's right in front of us. We only see the details that are right before us. We only know what we are experiencing right now. We know what we are feeling right now. And the truth is we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. But like weather casters, right? There are always these details that elude us, these details that don't, that don't, we can't discern, we can't understand, we can't see the whole picture. With my job, I, I wasn't aware of the decisions that were being made in the boardroom above my boss's head and his boss's head, right? That they were making decisions that were going to affect us. And, and we were making decisions based on everything we could see right here, right now. And we thought we had the whole picture, but it just wasn't. It just wasn't. It's one of the reasons I think we lean into conspiracy theories sometimes because we know there's something going on. There's something going on, right? There's a plan. There's a plan for everything. There is. I just think we're too nearsighted to figure it out. I just think we're too focused on our own, left to our own devices. We're focused too much on our own moment, our own time, our own place to see the pattern that exists. And I think the truth is what we need is the one who can see the whole picture, which by the way, isn't one of us. The one who can see the whole picture from beginning to end, the one who drew the thing, the creator of all things, the source of the pattern and the structure. Because if there is a pattern and a structure, it didn't get there by accident. There's a plan. And so, when it really comes down to, for me, is it tells me why we need Jesus Christ, why we need the gospel, is recognizing that we can't get our hands wrapped around the entirety of this plan all on our own. Because we're nearsighted when we need someone who can see it all far beyond what we can imagine because there are far too many variables moving for frankly any of us or even all of us together to figure out. We've been trying for decades to cure cancer. We seem to not be able to do that. We've been trying for millennia to stop wars and famines and we seem to not be able to do that as a group, individually. We try day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute to figure out this plan, this pattern, to make things right, to make things predictable so that we can move the where we need to move and do what we need to do to make things go the way they're supposed to go and we still can't figure it out. But God can and the truth is God has.
And he did it through something we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He's figured it out. And the awesome part is he's offered an opportunity for you and I to be a part of it. So what is this gospel? What is this good news? Well, the first is understanding that we are not perfect, that we are not all-knowing, that we cannot see everything, that quite frankly, we are mistaken. We make mistakes at times trying to figure things out on our own. If we look at what we believe to be God's holy word, the Bible, it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe since there is no distinction. And then in verse 23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's that sin, that thing that keeps us from being able to see the entirety of the picture. We are not perfect. That word sin essentially means means missed the mark. It means we don't have perfect aim. We can't always see things as they are. We can't honestly can't always see even see the target we're trying to hit that we're busy shooting away trying to hit. That mark that we're trying to hit isn't isn't that that perfect scenario? Right? We're trying to hit that mark where everything is as it should be, where we can predict it, where it is predictable, where it all makes sense, where we, where we all have meaning and we all have purpose. And if we just know all the details and all the moving parts and we can see all the forces at work, we can hit this target. The truth is, again, we're too nearsighted. We can't see that target. The target is over there and we're over here. And we can't see it on our own. We are missing the mark. We are sinning. We are aiming for it and missing. Try as, we, try as we might on our own, we are not able to see where we're trying to go. We sin. We miss the mark. We mess up because we're trying to figure it out on, ourselves, on our own when we really aren't wired or even capable of figuring it out on our own. We are nearsighted. And there's no way we will ever have perfect aim but we keep trying, don't we? We just keep shooting. We shoot every arrow we have, trying to figure out, trying to hit that target and not miss the mark, to just nail it right dead center every time. We try so hard. Like the weather caster, we read all the signs, we read all the information, we try to take it all in, we invest in trying to figure things out, whether that be your job or your family or a drug problem, or whatever it is that you're encountering in your life, or just getting through life. We try to figure it all out, and we just can't do it by ourselves, even though we try, we try, and we try. We try one solution after another. We try changing relationships. We try changing jobs. We try moving to a different place. We try trying a new drug or a new situation or new, whatever. We try, and we try, and we try. The problem is we keep trying to do the right thing, we keep trying to find the perfect aim to see the pattern. We keep trying to hit the mark, but we keep falling short and we miss over and over and over again. And the thing is, missing over and over and over again has consequences, not the least of which is it wears us out and we are still not where we want to be. 
or that we deeply and intrinsically, and I think honestly, think we should be, right? We haven't found our purpose. We haven't found our meaning. We haven't found that underlying pattern that exists that we're all searching for. Proverbs 16.25 says that there, there is a way that seems right to a person. And isn't that the way we make most of our decisions, right? We try to make the decision we believe to be the right decision in the moment. And yes, we have phrases for like hindsight's 2020, right? If you could have seen it all. Should let us know we don't see it all. But there is a way that seems right to a person. And that's the right... That's the way we would pursue, right? But the rest of the verse says, but its end is the way to death. No wonder we feel worn out. No wonder sometimes it feels like it's all futile, like you're never gonna get it. This way that seems right to us, we're trying to figure out on our own, we're trying to figure, figure it out our own way with our own eyes and our own sight, all that we can see, only I can see, I'm trying to figure it out for me. You're, you're doing you and trying to figure out you with only your eyes. And only with, with our limited understanding of things. And it all seems to be the right way. We make our decisions and yet we end up, our aim is way off. We mispredict. We can't see the entirety of the picture and we don't know which way the winds are really blowing and we don't know where the target is because we can't really see the thing. But God knows that. That's part of the pattern. The part of the plan is that God, the writer of the plan, knows he's the only one who can see it all. He knows that he can see the right way, the target we're aiming at, which way the winds are going to blow. Only he can see it because he's not nearsighted. He sees it all, the whole picture. And the gospel is that he gives us a way out, a way to stop just seeing the world the way you and I individually in our narrow little eye, let's see it, but to see it as he does. He says in Romans 6, 23, he says, for the wages of sin, remember the wages of missing the mark is death. That sounds very familiar to what we've just read in Proverbs and what we read in Romans 3, 23. That is, that is the logical outcome of continuing to miss the mark and doing it on our own. But then he says, but the gift of God, and this is God's way out, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ, Christ Jesus, our Lord. It is the opposite of the way we are trying to go, death to life, to go from this path that is on our own, we're blind trying to make our way anyways, and he is finding a way to turn us around and saying, no, 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 I've got a different path for you. I've got the real way out, and I'm offering you the way. I'm sending you the guide that you need and the person that you need to follow in order to get out. I'm sending you my son. I'm sending you me, the author of the pattern, the writer of the pattern. Because his, he is the target. 
He is perfection. He is the pattern. He is the knower of all things. He is the creator of all things. He is the source of everything. The Bible says he's the alpha and the omega, meaning he's the beginning and the end. He's been here all along and he did it all along. He sends us and offers us, loves us enough to offer us the perfect gift to solve our problem. In Romans 5, chapter 8, it says this for, it says, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still missing the mark, while we were still messing up, while we were still dropping the ball and stubbornly trying to figure it out on our own, while we were still exhausted and still tired, Christ died for us. He sent his son to pay for all of our misses to deal with all of the targets we missed, to deal with all of our bad aim, to deal with all of our mistakes, to, de to deal with all of our believing that we could figure it out all on our own, our stubbornness and saying, I can solve that problem for you. Christ died for us for that. He paid that price for us because remember there's a price to be paid it has consequences going on our own way has consequences and it's not good christ paid those consequences for us he took them this is beyond our normal understanding of love our nearsighted understanding of love where we love others based on what they've done for us God demonstrates for us that he's willing to love us in spite of what we've done to him. How crazy is that? That he shows us a different way. He redefines love in a way that's outside the way we would define it because we don't see it all. We don't understand it all. And he tells us how to access this. He tells us all how it works too. He says in Ephesians chapter two, eight through nine, he says, for you are saved by grace. That means the setting aside of the penalty you deserved, that I deserved for missing the mark over and over and over and over and over again. He says, you are, we are saved by grace through faith. That means trusting, trusting that he knows better than we do. And I'm not going to tell you that's easy because it's not. And he said, this is not from yourself. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. Part of the problem with trying to predict it all ourselves, trying to aim it all ourselves, trying to figure it out all by ourselves is that if we achieve that goal, or even part of it, we start to think that we're all that in a bag of chips. We start to think we can suddenly see better than we ever could. When the reality is, we still aren't able to see it. We still aren't able to know everything there is to know. And we would, I would think, 
and I'm stubborn as anybody else, I would think that I would figure that out after time, after time, after time of things not working out the way I think they should have. That I would figure out that I'm, I'm still not got it figured out. I can't earn this gift. I can't earn life. I can't earn God's love because he loved me even before I recognized it and even before I loved him. Again, that's not the way we usually handle love. God is asking that we simply receive the gift that he has given and trust that he sees the pattern in the chaos. He even tells us exactly how to receive that gift. He says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, he says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you say, yes, I cannot figure this out by myself. Me being in charge of my own way, me going the way that I think is the right way is not working out. Somebody else needs to be the eyes in this relationship. Somebody else needs to be able to see the things I cannot see and I will follow them. That's what it means to say Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the one in charge. Jesus is the one I'm going to follow because he can see. And it says, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. You hear what it means to know the gospel, to know Jesus. And that's honestly what I'm telling you right now, right here in this time, in this place. You hear the gospel. You dare to believe that what he's, what he's offering is true that he really is the answer, that he really is the one who sees the pattern that we cannot, that he is really the author of all things, that he is really the solution to every problem. You dare to believe that. And I say dare because it is. It's hard to do that. And it takes courage to do that. But you dare to believe that he is offering what he says he's offering, and that is the gift of life. Believe in your heart. I think I think a word I would use for that that is is repent, and that's a word we we don't like to talk about because it sounds big and mean and evil and scary, right? Repent. To repent simply means this. It seems it means to do a one eighty. It means to stop walking down the way that seems right to you, that's leading to death, and instead walk the way that God is laying out for you and saying, yes, I have been walking the wrong way. I will no longer walk that way. Instead, I will walk this way. I'm mistaken. I messed up. I missed the mark. But I know the target is over here, and I'm willing to let you take me there. Repentance means recognizing our way is not the right way. It is his way that is the right way. Confessing, it says, confess that he is Lord, that his love is grander than we understand and that he is in charge. In its simplest forms, that is the gospel. That, it, that is what it means to go from death to life. 
is to make Jesus Christ our Lord, to recognize just how far off the mark we are, to recognize that it's going to take us to a place we do not want to go, and to recognize that he sent his son for us to pay the debt, to make it right, and to show us the path, and to accept that gift. But does it end there? No. Actually, it's just the beginning. Because if you've got God on your side, if you have made him your Lord and Savior, if you've chosen to say, yes, I will follow you, then suddenly you have access to his sight, to his eyes. And if you're willing to let him take you on the journey that he wants you to go on, you will begin to see more of the world the way he sees it. The pattern in the chaos shows up. The purpose and the meaning that we are all wired to pursue and all wired to want to have begins to flourish. It shows up if we are willing to actually go and do what he wants us to do. I can give you some simple steps. The first one is to choose to be baptized. Why? Well, honestly, because every person in the New Testament in our scriptures that comes to know Jesus and makes him their Lord, who's done the things that I hope you've done today, they choose to be baptized. They are. They choose to be immersed underwater for their sins to be cleansed, for their sins to be cleansed, for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what, what does that mean? Well, that simply means this. By choosing to be obedient, and that's it, it's what it all comes down to, by choosing to be baptized, you are choosing to take one step to say, yes, God, I will do what you have asked me to do. Because sometimes following God means doing what he's asked us to do, even if we can't quite see the outcome yet or see all the details because we trust that he does. There's also something important about a physical connection, choosing to let him, let somebody put you underwater and trust that he will bring you back up. Resurrected, new, different, changed, just as he was resurrected from the dead, right? It will change you too. But I think the part that we really struggle with, even as Christians, even as those, as those who have come to be saved, that we really struggle with sometimes, is keeping our eyes, our nearsighted eyes, because following God isn't like LASIK, okay? It isn't like God does some surgery and all of a sudden you can see everything and all is well. Following God means understanding that my eyes, what I see, will never be clear on its own. That if I lean into my own way of doing things, it probably won't end well. It means following God means keeping my eyes on him and letting him lead the way. I said we've lived in four different states. The vast majority of those moves, the vast majority were because that is where God wanted us to go. He was leading the way. And I will tell you, confessionally, I went to Arkansas not happy about moving into the heat. And I told God, I'm not moving to Minnesota. You've lost your dang mind. Guess where I went? 
because ultimately it came down to doing what he wanted us to do. And it's the reason we're here in Ohio too. It's because that's what God wanted us to do. And I'll tell you what, even though I went kicking and screaming to some of those places, at every turn he has proven that if I'm just willing to follow his direction, to go where he wants me to go, that I will be able to see in ways I could not see before. That I will know the world in ways I did not know before. He is faithful. He is true. He is the author of the pattern and the purpose behind life. And he is calling you to him. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and he be gracious to you. May he grant you favor and may he give you peace. God bless.